Hey there, I'm Rianne Mullins, and I'm the host of the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. 15 years ago, I lost 65 pounds by revamping my lifestyle in a very realistic and totally manageable way. Now I teach other women how to ditch the yo-yo dieting cycle and start living a balanced, fit, and happy life through real food, effective exercise, and a powerful mindset. Each week, I'll be popping into your ears to teach you how you too can live a balanced and fit life free from unrealistic diets and crazy expectations. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. It's Ray Ann here. And today I am so excited to share with you one of the best and most memorable experiences that I've ever had. I'm actually, yeah, I actually just did this last weekend. And so I'm a little worried that I'm talking about it too soon because I'm afraid I'm going to miss some of the good stuff. But I'm also worried if I wait too much longer, I'm going to forget some good stuff. So today I'm going to tell you about the 29029 Everesting event. And I'm going to tell you what it is, why the heck I would even do it, some of the stories from the mountain, and what lessons that I learned or actually what lessons were reinforced over the 36 hour event. All right. So some of you guys, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for following along my journey. I tried to post as much as I could, but I was exhausted. So it was a little bit harder to post. I had this vision of like posting like every, you know, hour or so on Instagram, but things don't always go as planned. And so anyway, if you don't know what the 29029 is, well, these guys, Mark, Jesse, and Colin, they're ultra endurance athletes. They're all amazing. And um, if you look in the show notes, I've put their names. So if you want to look them up, I highly recommend it. They're all super cool badasses that I definitely think you should know about. Anyway, they created this endurance hiking event. And the question they asked was, do you have what it takes to Everest? Okay. So Everest, you know, as in Mount Everest, that is like, climbers and endurance athletes, they love to, you know, ultimately do Mount Everest. Well, not everybody has that opportunity or not everybody actually wants to do that, but they want to do something big. So they created this event where participants have 36 hours to hike up a private ski resort and then take the gondola down. And then you just repeat this until you reach the vertical gain of Mount Everest, which is 29,029 feet or 29.9 miles straight up. Okay. So there is a time limit of 36 hours, but there's not a race or a time goal other than just to be done with all of the rounds, which in this case was 13 rounds. We were in Snow Basin, Utah, and it was a 2.3 mile hike up. Um, and actually I can't remember, it was like over 2000 vertical gain every time, but You had 36 hours to complete 13 rounds to be done. But the cool thing is along the way, though, you get these, um, you set these goals. Like there's different mountains around the world that are certain vertical feet. So every time you'd reach that, they would mark on your back, which because we wore these bibs that had different goals. And every time you'd reach those goals, they would like actually cross it off on your bib. And it was just really, really cool. And I want to say too, they, um, there's this really cool ascent board. So they have these big wooden boards and every time you go up and do your, you know, your hike and then come back down on the gondola, you go over and you actually brand their logo next to your name. And at the end of it, you, you know, the goal is to have 13 brands, like you've complete the whole thing. And so what I loved about this event, um, and what sounded so intriguing to me was that it's really an event against yourself. It's really like, there's no competition. The only competition is really with yourself and seeing what you can accomplish. And I love that. Anyway, I can't even remember how I heard about it. Honestly, maybe it was Instagram or Facebook, but I loved it. I loved the idea of it. I wanted to do something hard and just wanted to train for something like something different. I wanted to not worry about my weight or how I looked. I wanted to think about what I could do with my body, what I could accomplish. And it just felt different, you know, like I didn't want to worry about 
calories in, calories out, or jiggle on my butt or any of that stuff. I just wanted to see how hard I could push my body. And I've done a marathon before and that was tough, but I didn't want to do that again. And I don't swim, so I couldn't do a triathlon that was totally out. And honestly, I don't want to learn how to swim. So I didn't want to do that. So this particular event sounded perfect. And I got to say, I love the idea of only climbing up and not having to go back down because that's what hurts like your ankles and your knees and your joints is the, you know, hiking down. So this was actually perfect for me. And then, you know, I started thinking, why? Like, why do I need to do this? Like, what, what is making me feel like I need to do something big like this? Well, when I first heard about the event, it was 2018 or 19, like probably actually it was probably early in 2019 that I actually heard about this. So I looked it up and I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm totally doing this, but I'd been having some issues and it was really hard for me because I felt like I was really fit and I was, you know, strong. Um, and I'm an instructor and trainer and I, you know, nutrition coach. And so I felt like I was doing all of the things I'm supposed to do, but I was having problems. I was having dizziness and fatigue um, and passing out and these weird, you know, things happening. And that's when I found out my heart was pausing and I was going to need to get a pacemaker. So And actually, if you want to know more about that, if you don't already know, that's episode three of my podcast, if you want to hear my story about needing a pacemaker. So it gives you a little bit more insight into where my brain was at the time. Anyway, there was just something about getting a pacemaker that made me feel fragile and a little broken and honestly old. Like I, you know, I was 43 years old and I'm getting a pacemaker. And every time I'd go to the doctor, I'm hanging out with all the 70, some 70 and 80 year olds. And it really did put um, a damper on my mood. I'll tell you that. Anyway, I know that I'm fine. Like the pacemaker's, you know, doing its job, it's working, but there's still like this underlying fear that my heart may stop working. So I feel vulnerable and I feel like I better live right now because I don't really know. I mean, none of us really know how much time we have left, but I really just feel like getting that pacemaker has made me feel more like I need to live for the now. Every single day is a gift. And I know that I already knew that, but there's something about having, you know, this issue that truly has made me want to live more and more vibrantly anyway. And I also wanted to prove to myself that, you know, I'm still strong. And even though I have this device in me that again, usually people over 70 get that I am still capable of doing hard things. So I also needed just to focus on myself a little bit. You know, my favorite thing ever is to help people. Like I find my joy and success in other people's joy and success. I really just thrive on helping other people. I love watching my clients, you know, either lose weight or just get stronger or when they find their inner strength, it brings me so much joy. And I have loved doing this. I mean, in fact, I've been doing this now about 20 years, a little more actually. And recently over the last years, um, I think I've made everyone else a bigger priority than myself. So it was time to focus on me for a little bit. So that is why I did the 29029. And so I want to tell you a little bit more about the actual event experience. So I got up early. It was a Thursday morning and I had to get ready for my flight. So it was great. You know, I I get on the flight mask and all, and that was the first time I'd been on a commercial flight since COVID. So that was, it was fine. It was totally fine. Anyway, I get to Atlanta from Greensboro and I get on the next plane and I sit next to this guy and he's like, Oh, where are you going? And I said, well, um, Salt Lake city, but really not there. I'm going to the mountains. He said, Oh, are you doing the 29029? I was like, yeah, man. How about you? And he said, me too. And he said, so what's your goal? How many, how many, how many climbs are you going to do? And I was like a little confused. I was like, what? I, I said, um, 13. And he said, oh, okay. So it's your first time. He was like, you're going to plan to do all of them. I'm like, well, yeah, it's my first time, but yeah, I'm going to climb 13 times. There. And so this was the first moment 
truthfully, the first moment that I was like, oh, wait, people don't expect to do all 13 because, you know, like, you know, you know that it's 13 rounds. Do you get to the top and you have 36 hours? And I've been trained my ass off. So I'm like, yeah. I mean, I was actually confused when he asked me what was my goal. I'm like, my goal is 13, dude, and I'm going to knock it out. But I then at that moment was the first time that there was a little glimmer of doubt that, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not going to. And then, and then I had to really work hard on my mindset after that moment. But Josh had, I think it was his, gosh, I don't know, maybe third or fourth time. And anyway, he told me his experience and it was really fun sitting next to somebody who'd been there, had done it. And even though he hadn't finished it yet, he gave me a lot of great insight. And so it was fun having a little insight there. Anyway, I fly in, we get into Salt Lake City, the car comes to pick me up and I have this great driver. We're driving out towards Snow Basin outside of, um, it was east of Salt Lake City. And I love mountains. I love mountains so much that I just immediately felt um, peace and calm. Even though I was a little worried about the event, I still had this like peace and this just happiness that mountains, as soon as I see mountains, I just feel happy. I feel like free. I don't know. It's just this weird, like I feel at home or I don't know. I love it. And I need more mountains in my life. Anyway, I'm, you know, I'm just in awe looking at these gorgeous mountains, the Wasatch mountains. And I'm like, whoa. So the guy pulls me up and, you know, I get my bags out. It's by the way, it's cold and raining. And I'm used to being in the 90 degree, super humid, I did not bring the right clothes. I was cold. It was wet. And I was kind of starting to worry about that. I'm like, oh, great. So anyway, I go, I check in. They take my bag to my tent because, by the way, they have tents for you. And um, which, by the way, I did not spend a lot of time in that tent. And I didn't know that I was or wasn't. I, I mean, I really had no idea what to expect. So anyway, I walk in. They take my bag. And they're like, go get some lunch. We'll have speakers soon. You know, it's kind of like a little retreat, which I also loved about this event. So I'm walking in. And the funny thing is I felt, you know, it's been a long time. I used to go to conferences by myself. I've gone, I have no problem going places by myself because I have no problem talking to people. Um, you know, I went away to college far away. I've done a lot of stuff on my own and I love it. But truthfully, I hadn't done this in a couple of years since, you know, pre-COVID. And I actually for the first time in a long time, had kind of some anxiety, like about meeting people and and not knowing if I'd have anyone to sit with. And, you know, I kind of felt like I was a little kid going to school for the first time or being dropped off at summer camp, which I had never did in my, you know, as a kid, really. But anyway, I, so I go in and right as I'm walking into the building, another lady was walking up behind me. And so I'm like, well, she looks nice. I'm going to talk to her. So I introduced myself and she too was being dropped off to her summer camp and we chatted a little bit and I asked her if she wanted to have lunch because, you know, that's how you start a friendship. So we got our lunch, we sat down and we're chatting away. And as we're sitting there, I said, so do you know which tent you're in? And she pulled up her phone and looked and she said, I'm in tent 71. And I'm like, oh, well, that's my tent. And here's the funny thing. I had missed somewhere along the way that we were going to have tent mates. I thought in my brain for some reason I was, cause I signed up for a single tent, but the, what that meant was just a single person. I wasn't coming with anyone. I didn't realize that meant they were going to hook me up with other people. And at first I was a little nervous about that because I imagined the tent being kind of my oasis, like my place away to go, like have a moment by myself, but it ended up being awesome that this person, the first person that I met at the event actually was my tent mate. And then we later went to go to our tent and we met our, so this was Tara. And then we met Katie who was also in our tent. So it was really awesome because instead of feeling like I needed my own space away, I actually needed their camaraderie. I needed the safety of these two really awesome ladies. And I definitely will stay in touch with them going forward. Anyway, so yay for tent mates. (laughs) So I also was super excited because I had been keeping in touch with somebody um, named Janine. She and I, the very beginning of the training, which is a 20-week training plan that I also loved because I loved having someone else plan workouts for me instead of me always being the one planning the workouts. Anyway, Janine had reached out in the group because we had this like, uh, you know, 
network thing where you could like check in and post pictures and talk and whatever. She had reached out and said she might maybe needed an accountability partner. So we hooked up and it was really great because we just would check in occasionally. And it was really fun feeling like, okay, I was going to know somebody when I got there. And the funny thing is we did meet and she was there with a friend and we actually didn't really ever get to climb together. And we rarely saw each other, but just knowing that she was there felt really good. Anyway, we, after we, you know, moved into our tents, we went to dinner um, and we had some speakers and I got to tell you that one of my, again, one of my favorite things is listening to motivational speakers and hearing stories and listening to these amazing people talk. And it, it definitely was not disappointing. This Colin O'Brady, a guy named Chad, um, there was a doctor. So there were so many great people. And, and again, I will post some of these names if you want to look them up, because there are some really cool stories and people that I would absolutely recommend you follow on Instagram or look up, at least Google them because, you know, you just don't even realize how many freaking cool people are out there until, you know, you find out about them. So definitely check them out anyway. Um, and I will, you know, I'm not going to get into their stories because again, I think that you should just look them up yourself because I don't want to, you know, mess up their stories. So anyway, we, we go, we listen to the stories. We're getting all fired up, so excited. And, you know, one thing I forgot to mention is that when I pulled up to that mountain and looked out the window, the first words that came to my mouth were, oh shit. I... You know, I've seen some big mountains in my life and I did some hiking. I've done some things. But when I saw that mountain in front of me that I was supposed to climb 13 times, I had serious butterflies in my stomach. And I can't even, I took a picture, but literally does not do it justice. Like you have to see it in person to understand. And you know how that is. Like when you go take a picture of like the moon, you're like, oh my God, so beautiful. And you take a picture and you're like, well, that sucks. Well, it's kind of the same with the mountain. It was like, I wanted to show you know, I wanted to take a picture and like send it to my kids and be like, oh my God, look at this mountain. But you take a picture and it's like, eh, it looks like a little hill. <laughs> no, it's not a little hill. I promise you. Anyway, so we're, you know, everybody's talking strategy and nutrition and making sure you're hydrated and what's your plan and everyone's getting all pumped up. Well, the more we talked about it, the more terrified I got. I, I truly felt terrified. And it's that feeling, you know, before you start something, the thought is always worse than the actual, Yet, no matter what in life. It's like we always have expectations and usually the expectations are scarier and worse in our head than the actual. And the only thing that cures that is action, right? Action cures fear. So I couldn't wait to start because I was so tired of being in my head so anyway, my tent mates and I, you know, Terry and Katie, we go to our room, our room, our tent that was freezing, by the way, because it was like 40 degrees and wet. And anyway, we tried to get some sleep. But meanwhile, like the guy next to our tent snoring like crazy. People are talking. People are walking by. Not a good night of sleep. And that's OK, because even if I was in a posh hotel room, I probably wouldn't have gotten a lot of sleep because I was so worried. Anyway, we get up. You know, we get up at 4 a.m. start time. We're supposed to line up at the start, um, the starting line at 5.45 a.m. So we get up at 4 a.m., get dressed. We, you know, we put on our, we have all this ointment to put all over our feet so we don't get blisters. We have the special socks. You know, we're getting our poles, our hiking poles ready. You know, we didn't know what the weather was going to be like, so we're layering on clothes. And anyway, we're all like, ah! So we go to the lodge. We get our breakfast, you know, use the bathroom, brush our teeth, the whole nine yards. And I just had my heart beat was just so heavy. And like, I just had like butterflies in my stomach. So I knew I needed to eat, but it was so hard to eat because you're like nauseous when you're that nervous, you know? So anyway, we get lined up. Um, Colin O'Brady gives us this awesome, like motivational speech about, you know, why are we all here? These knuckleheads you know, getting ready to climb this mountain 13 times. And anyway, it was really awesome. So, you know, time goes, we start. Well, I'm with, with Tara. Um, we had lost Katie 
um, I think she had to go change her shoes or do something. So we went ahead, went ahead and I'm with Tara, who, by the way, does Ironmans. I'm like, okay, <laughs> not me. Anyway, so we're like climbing, we're moving along. And the very first probably quarter mile or so, it's probably a little bit more than that. You'd think I'd know by now, but I don't quite remember, was very steep. And by the way, you're not on a path. You're not on a, you know, a carved out trail the entire time. Some of it is, but this first part was like lots of grass and big rocks. And it's just like not easy. And everybody was starting at one time. So you're like watching out for other people. You're hitting each other's poles and you're trying to be like, you know, nice and you're talking and everyone's really excited. Well, here we are, we're going along. And, you know, as, as like anything, as you start going, the people start spreading out, you know, the really fast, super, super fit, like elite people are getting ahead. The other people that are taking their time are slowing back. And I'm, you know, somewhere towards, you know, the middle, which is pretty much what I expected. Anyway, we're going along and all of a sudden we hear somebody yelling. I'm with a group of probably 30 and all of a sudden we hear somebody yelling behind us wrong way. No, no, no. You're going the wrong way. It's this way. Well, we had already climbed up this really big section. And like, I mean, there was no way we were going to turn and go back. So we were like, well, hopefully they're wrong because we didn't see any markings. Like we were starting to think they were wrong, but really, yep, I was in the group that was wrong. And it kind of reminded me of like a bunch of ducklings. You know, it's like you just follow, you're looking at the ground in front of you because you don't want to trip or slip. And so we're all looking kind of down and just following the people in front of us. Well, somewhere along the way, somebody went the wrong way. So yes, we were going the wrong way, which I actually feel pretty proud about because we got extra vertical feet and extra mileage. So, you know, I'm just saying. And then we all decided that it would be really fun on lap two because hopefully the right way was easier. <laughs> we're not really sure. Actually, it was a little bit easier the right way. Not much, but... Um, but we'll take it. We'll take that extra little bit of um, footage there. Anyway, so we get to the top and I got to be honest, we came down the gondola. I was so, so relieved to be done. But when we got to the bottom, we're supposed to, you know, we get off the gondola, they say, turn right and keep climbing, turn right and go again, go again. And I needed a second because I needed to cry. <laughs> I needed a good cry because it was so much harder than I expected it was going to be. It really was. I had hoped that my training was harder than the actual thing because it really was hard. I mean, I spent a lot of time training and doing a lot, but nothing could compare me for the steepness of this mountain. I mean, I live in North Carolina and yes, there is a mountain nearby that really was a good training ground, but like the steepest part of that was still not as steep as this mountain. So I had to have a good old cry about it because I couldn't even imagine doing it 12 more times. And I was embarrassed because I'm like, all these people, all of you guys, I've been talking about this mountain event for months. Um, all of my spin class participants have been training with me in the spin classes. I've been telling my friends and my family. And here I was feeling like, oh my God, like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was embarrassed and worried. But then I decided that I would quit thinking about the rest of the time. I was just going to focus on one climb at a time. And I had heard that and I know that, but when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to remember what to do because it's scary. It's like, oh my God, like I was exhausted and we had done it pretty fast. I think it was about 75 minutes. It took us the first time. I might be wrong about that. It was 75 or 85. I can't remember, but it was, no, 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 it was 75 minutes and that's pretty quick. And so round two, we did it again. I went with Tara. She pulled me up that mountain. And after round two, I realized as we started up round three, that I was with the group that was going too fast for me. And I had this moment in my head where I was like, okay, it's all right. Like, I don't have to finish fast. There's no race. And this is about me. And I had already for two laps made it about other people. I wanted to stay with Tara because, well, first of all, I felt like she was a really cool person and I liked her and I wanted to spend more time with her. But secondly, I didn't, 
I didn't want to feel like I wasn't as fast or as fit as her. And finally, it has struck me. I'm always telling my clients to work at their pace. When I teach a spin class, I'm like, go at your pace. This is your workout. You know, we all have like levels where we want to be. And it hit me that I was not working at my level. I was working at other people's levels. And why was I here? I was here to work on myself, not to prove anything to anybody else. So on lap three, I finally told Tara, I was like, go ahead and go ahead. Or, you know, go ahead ahead of me because I feel like I'm holding you back. And she was really sweet. She probably would have waited for me, but that made me feel worse. You know, I wanted her to go. I needed time. So I spent the last, like from that moment on, I worked in intervals. I loved it. I found my groove. It was okay if I had to stop and take a breath. So I started like finding little tiny points ahead of myself. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to get to that rock and take five breaths. And then I'm going to go to the next rock. And so I literally, sometimes it was so steep. It literally would only be like 10 steps, literally 10 steps. And I would have to stop and breathe, but it worked for me. And next thing I know, I was, you know, getting into like these little points. And then next thing I know, I was at the top. And it was really cool because, and if you did the 2021, you're going to know what I'm talking about. There was these major points. It was like the first aid station was awesome to get to. You just knew you had like knocked out a very hard portion of the mountain. And then there was aid station three. And um, after aid station three, there was these poles. There was these like, um, they were actually snowmakers. It was like these big poles with like these yellow padded um, coverings on them. And there was one at the top, towards the top, that was 1044. And when I saw 1044, I knew I made it. Because once you got to 1044, you actually got on a service road. And even though it was still steep and you still had a little over a half a mile to go, it felt better because it was like a road instead of like rocks and slippery, like grass and chunks, you know? So it was like, once you made it to 1044, everybody saw that as such a sign that you've made it right. Anyway, lap five, you know, I just kept going on lap five. I found a group that really connected with me. It was Tandy and Mark and Jamie and coach Don. And the cool thing is I found these people that were using the same method that I had been doing on laps three and four, and they were fun people, easy to talk to. And so I felt like a part of something. So on lap three and four, I was kind of alone and in my head. But when I was on lap five, it went so much faster, like having this group to be with. We talked about all kinds of stuff and it was just really fun. Then fast forward to lap eight, where I met Mike Macho. (laughs) I think that's his name. We it was funny because we just happened to be starting at the same time. And I said to him, I was like, Hey, I've been doing this thing where you just like do little intervals and it makes it so doable. Do you want to go with me? And he's like, yeah, totally. That works for me. But I was kind of worried, you know, that I was going to be too slow for him. And he was worried that he was too slow for me, but it worked like we worked together. Great. And it just felt really good having someone with you. Like, even if you didn't talk the whole time, just knowing that you had somebody with you, it was just comfortable. And we were all in the same you know, game. We were all like the same goal. And so, you know, we worked together all the way to the top and then we went our separate ways because it was nice to have alone time in the gondola. But that was my first gondola ride down in the dark. So on lap eight, as we were going up, this giant moon was coming up over and it was so amazing. We both like stopped a few times and took pictures and just like let it soak in. It was gorgeous. And so that time we got to the top and I was ready to just have some alone time in the gondola. And it was my first ride down where it was pitch black in the gondola. And during the day, I'd been on it already seven times. So this eighth time in the dark, I noticed lots of like (laughs) rocking and noises. And I was really scared. And I felt so silly being scared because I'd been on this seven times. It was no big deal. But something about it really bothered me. So when I got back down, I was like, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to just go rest. I was cold. It was, you know, I was a little bit wet from sweating. So I wanted to change my top. And so I go into the lodge and I laid down just next to the fireplace. And next thing I know, I was completely asleep. So I had, at this point, it was probably like 1045 PM. And at midnight, they were going to do a group hike. And I thought I really should do that because I didn't want to go alone in the dark. Although there was people along the way, something about it kind of scared me. I didn't know, was there going to be a mountain lion? Was there going to be 
you know, a bear? What if I fell? Or, you know, like I you have all these like fears that like come up and no matter how hard you try to push them down, they're there and they're, they're, they're yelling at you. It's like your brain is just like on full alert of any possible like thing that could happen. So the minute it was about, I had fallen asleep next to the fire and I woke up and it was 10 till 12. So it was 10 till midnight and I just couldn't do it. I was like, I'm just not ready. Like I, I had 10 minutes to get out there and, you know, I needed to go to the bathroom and I needed to grab some more like drink and I just decided that I wasn't going to go. So I sat there a little bit longer feeling super guilty because I knew that I needed to do one more night hike or I wasn't going to make it in time. I mean, I could have, but I had a feeling that this ninth round was going to be the difference between like rushing the next day and having a leisurely like four climbs left. So I sat there with serious, like, you know, angel on one shoulder, devil on the other, the devil's like, just go to sleep. You're fine. Who cares if you finish? It's no big deal. You did great. The angel over here is going, Ryan, you're going to be so proud of yourself. If you just get up and go, and you're going to be so excited to tell people about it and you're going to finish. So that's when Eva, Eric and Liz, my midnight pals appeared. They both, um, even Eric, um, mother and son, super, super sweet people, adored them. They were also sleeping near me on near the fire. And so they were getting up and they were getting dressed. And Eva says to me, why don't you go with us? And I was like, nah, I don't know. And they're like, well, she said, we're going to get ready. You think about it. And if you want to go, you can go with us. It'll be great. It'll, we'll have a good time and it'll be fine. And then Liz popped up. She was over there sleeping too. And she was getting ready. And I said, oh, are you going with them? And she was like, yeah, I'm going to go with them. If I, I need to get this one done. And I said, well, I guess I should go with you guys. And she said, and Liz said to me, she goes, well, I'm going to go slow. And I'm like, hey, that's awesome. I'll go slow with you. I didn't care. Like at this point, I just wanted to get that ninth round done. So here we go. And thank goodness for those three, because if it hadn't been for them, I know that I would have just gone back to sleep and I would have been disappointed in the morning. I would have regretted it. And there's nothing worse than feeling regret. So we got going and I got to tell you, it was the most memorable. Well, I can't really say that because 13 was obviously a very memorable climb too, but that midnight climb with a full moon was amazing. And we took our time, which actually wasn't that slow. And we even saw, we saw deer. We joked because Eric thought he saw a mountain lion, but really it was a deer and it followed and watched us. It stalked us for a while, which was actually kind of fun, especially it was more fun when we realized it was a deer, not a mountain lion. So that was a good thing. Anyway, we got to the top and this time I did not ride the gondola down by myself because it terrified me the other time. And we had a great time. We made it down and we all agreed we were going to go to sleep and start over at 4.30 a.m. Well, at this point it was 2.25 when we got to the bottom of the mountain. 2.25 a.m. and they were going to leave at 4.30. And I decided I was not. I wanted to go get some sleep. I am somebody who loves my sleep. So I went ahead, went back to my tent from, by the time I got there and changed my, into some dry clothes and got into the bed, it was 3 a.m. Well, I woke up at 4.30. I was going to, you know, get ready to go, but I just could not get up. So I slept till five. And finally I, I, was shaking. My whole body was shivering. I was freezing cold and I was just shivering and I literally just wanted to cry. I just, my, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt. I'd started to get a blister and I was thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? This is so stupid. <laughs> like, why am I doing this to myself? And I had a little moment there. Anyway, I forced myself to get up. I decided if I would get up, I could go into the lodge and get, get next to the fire that's what got me moving because I was so cold. So I got up, I went in my calves. There was like an incline just to get to the lodge from the tent section. And my calves were screaming at me and I just wanted to give up. Like I can honestly say at that moment, I was like, I know I only have four left, but four seemed so daunting. It seemed so big. And I just felt like I couldn't do it. So I go into the, to the lodge. I'm looking for food. And by the way, food at this point sounded disgusting. There was nothing I wanted to eat. And they had a ton of awesome food. It's just that when your body's that stressed out and I was cold and shivering and felt terrible, it did not sound appealing to eat. 
So finally I sat down, I got a big old gluten-free gross bagel with some peanut butter on it because at this point I needed calories. You guys, I needed the calories and I was burning between seven and a thousand calories every single climb. And I was only eating about 150 to 200 on the way down in the gondola. So I knew I was in a major deficit and I knew I needed the energy. And maybe if I could just get some energy through calories, maybe I would be motivated again. But right then I decided to post on Instagram that I needed help. I, and you guys, you guys delivered big time. I posted that, you know, I was used to being the coach and it was really hard this time that I just didn't feel like I could get up and I really needed help. And I started receiving, like my phone just started going crazy. And I started receiving the nicest, best texts and messages through, you know, through Instagram. I was getting direct messages. I was getting Facebook messages. I was getting actual texts on my phone. And I was getting these messages like almost immediately after posting. And these were people like my past clients, um, several past clients sent me messages, friends, college friends, local friends. I started getting all of these amazing messages. And truthfully, like that is what lit a major fire under my ass because I had taught, many of them told me how I had helped them in the past and the things I had said to them. And I thought, oh my gosh, like they're totally using my words against me. (laughs) But it was perfect because they were right. And I told you earlier that one of my most happiest things, you know, the thing that gives me the most joy in life is helping other people. And when I started seeing the words they were writing to me, and they were trying to pay me back in the ways that I had helped them, it really motivated me. And I knew at that moment, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to crush these last four rounds. I knew I could do it. So I got off my butt and I started one step at a time, one step at a time. So I also, you know, okay, so I knocked out lap, 10 done. I'm like, all right, I got this. I only have three more to go. Although three more doesn't sound like a lot. It's a lot. Like it still felt like a lot. So I went ahead. I was like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to get 10 done. I'm going to finish 11 on lap 11. I was about halfway up the mountain and I took a step and I felt this excruciating sharp pain in my Achilles. And truthfully, I was terrified that I was done. I thought maybe I'd torn it. It was that bad. I could barely step on it. Um, I really, truly, I had to turn my foot. It was horrible pain. And thank God I had those hiking poles because I had to put all of my weight into those hiking poles. And I truly like was just so scared that I was done. I just thought I just got to get to the top so I can ride down because I got to get into that recovery room and make sure that I don't have like an actual major like injury, because, you know, I still want to walk and I still want to teach my classes and I still have other things I need to get done. So I get to the top. I'm like so upset because I, I'm so worried, you know, I'm this close. I finished 11, only two more to go and my stupid Achilles and I'm so angry. But after I got off the gondola, I took a step and I was like, oh, guess what? That little 15 minute break down the gondola actually made me realize I definitely did not tear my Achilles because there's no way I would have been able to step on it still had it been, you know, torn. I knew it wasn't ruptured, but it felt like torn or like definitely strained. So I went straight into um, the recovery room and I called my husband. And so he and my brother were my cheerleaders for the weekend. They had flown in on Friday and they were coming to spend the, you know, time at the mountain at the top, they got to ride the gondola up to the top to watch me finish. But I called my husband and I'm like, I'm so worried. I don't know. I mean, hopefully I can get this fixed and get going again. And he just encouraged me. Brian encouraged me just to try again. He was like, just try one more, just one more. If you have to stop, you have to stop. It's okay. You've done awesome. It'll, it'll be great. Well, so I go into the, into the recovery room and I had the lady stretch me and massage it. And they have these like, you know, massage guns that are amazing. And by the way, I was taking Advil too. So that definitely helped. And actually I felt really good, but I still had this fear. I mean, 
I only had two more to go, but there were, it was so daunting. So like, so much like this looming over my head. And that's when I remembered that a friend of mine from the gym had given me this little envelope and he had said to me, you know, use this when you need it. And I was kicking myself because I needed it earlier on, but it was, it had fallen to the bottom of my bag that I had with me. And at that moment I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need. So I went to my bag, I pulled it out and it was the sweetest, best letter that anyone had written me. And he had also like cut out these little like sayings, little quotes to keep me motivated. So I sat there and, you know, again, this whole thing is so emotional and I hate to sound like a crybaby, but everything made me cry. It's like when your body is pushed to the limit, it's not just your body, but it's your mind. And when you start to actually see what you're capable of, it's the most inspiring and emotional thing ever. So I'm sitting there reading this and like feeling super inspired. And I'm like, oh my God, like all these people believe in me. Like I have to keep believing in me too. So thank you, Chris. That was an awesome, awesome motivator. Really, really appreciate it. So anyway, um, when I knew, so I read that and I knew that Matt and Brian, my brother and Brian, my husband were coming because Matt or sorry, Brian told me that they were going to get there when I started round 12, because they wanted to see me finish 12 and then, you know, be there to support me while I was like going on my final climb. So knowing that they were there and seeing all these awesome, you know, messages from people, I felt super inspired and I was ready to just freaking crush this thing. So I started and a funny thing happened though. Like after, you know, I got to 12, I got to 12, I finished my, and my brother and Brian were at the top and it was like awesome. And they rode down with me. I realized that I only had three hours left and I started feeling like, oh my God, maybe I can't do 13. What I, the, it was so funny because I was so motivated at, before 12. I saw these messages. I was super pumped, but then something about knowing I only had one more left instead of feeling totally motivated by that I was horrified what if I couldn't finish what if I was that close and just didn't quite make it how would I feel if I didn't earn the red hat so at the top when you finish you get the red hat and you cannot buy that hat you have to earn that hat and I thought gosh I'm so close but like what if I can't what if I can't and I had to just completely stop myself and remind myself that I can I absolutely can. You know, I can do just one more. No, no matter how harrowing that thought was, I could do it. My Achilles was fine. Um, I had this very small but powerful blister that I was just going to have to fight through. So I decided to run in really quick to the recovery room, do one, more, get a little bit more ointment on the blister, massage my calves out, get some Advil. And after I'd been there about one or two minutes, Coach Chris, who, by the way, is another super amazing athlete and man, came in and said, hey, if anyone's ready to do their final ascent, you need to get going now. There's a storm coming. And fear struck me so hardcore because I imagined getting stuck up on the side of the mountain in a storm. And here's the thing. When you're in the mountains, the the weather can change at an, just in a second. It can go from like warm and sunny to like cloudy and lightning, thunder, hail, rain, wind, the wind had already been pretty tough at the top. So I was scared. And I got to tell you, there's actually one section of the route that absolutely terrified me every single time. And it was right after the um, last aid station before making that last kind of third of the way up the mountain. It was very steep and very slippery. The first time I was on it, I actually almost fell backwards. And so after that first climb up, every time I got to that section, I was so scared and it was so in my head, but I just kept imagining, which you totally shouldn't do. I kept imagining myself slipping and falling because if I had fallen there, I mean, you would go, you would fall a long time and just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And I was scared. And so on this 13th round, I thought, what if I get up there and it's raining and it's even more slippery and I can't do it. And I was so scared. So I decided, oh, well, I had to get there. I was going to do this. I was going to do this thing. I had one more to go. So I ran out and right as I'm getting to the base of the mountain, getting ready to start, I see that coach Brent, who is one of my favorite coaches and people ever 
was getting ready to start a group climb. And in that group was Mark and Tandy, who I had um, climbed with before. And I was so excited to like see them again. We were so excited to be together in our final ascent. And then I met Wolfman and I met Anne and Anne, sweetest girl. I'd already met her before and she was really, really struggling on that last round. And so I was so happy to get to be with these people and we could finish together. And Anne was so awesome. She was having a really hard time. Her feet hurt really, really bad. And it was so fun to watch her finish because she did and she rocked it. So good job, Anne. Go yoga instructor. Um, so anyway, we make it to the top. We get up to that 1044, which is that snowmaker like sign, the sign that like when we got there, we knew that we only had a little over a half a mile to go and it was road. And we got there and coach Brent said to me, he was like, you know, you've done your job here. You've helped these people. He was like, I think you need to go ahead. You need to just make this about yourself now. He was like, you're, you're rocking, just go. And he probably says that to everybody, but I felt pretty awesome. <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, coach Brent just told me I'm awesome. <laughs> so I, did i i got this like second wind it was like my 13th wind actually 14th wind and i powered up and when i got right to the bottom so there's like this little like section that you have to push to get up to the very top and there's all these people up there and i knew my husband and my brother were up there and i knew other people that had already finished that i'd been talking to were up there and there's music playing and they have their awesome announcer colleen she's up there like announcing people coming in and I had just, I don't know, I'm not very good with distance. It was some distance to go, but not super far. And there was a lady right there. And she said to me, you've got this. She was like, take a deep breath and run to the top. And I was like, you're crazy. I'm not running. I'm exhausted. And she was like, no, you can do it. You're going to be so happy. And so I looked at her and I was like, you know what? You're right. So I thought if I need to collapse to the top, fine, like no big deal. I'm going to empty the tank. I'm going to push myself. So I ran to the top and I could hear them yelling my name. And I saw my brother and I saw my husband and I saw the people and I, you know, it's so amazing. So that is how I felt at the very, very top. And, you know, it's really funny because I've been so emotional the entire day, like or entire 35 hours or whatever it was. I think I finished in, at five, a little after five. So I, it was about 35 hours. I'd been so emotional and so in my head and I totally thought like I would lose it at the top, but I really didn't. I felt so, um, complete and proud of myself and strong. And honestly, I felt like I could do anything after doing that. So it was such an amazing experience. And if you feel so inclined to do something like that, I would definitely check out the 29029. They have locations in Idaho, Utah, and Vermont. And I've heard a rumor that they're going to add more locations next year, but you know, I don't know yet. So you'll just have to check out their website. So I just want to tell you really quick that the lessons that I had reinforced in my brain, and these are lessons I've been teaching people for years, actually, and believe in and followed, but I really had to dig deep and find these, these lessons to get through this event. And the first one is patience. I truly had to learn to find patience in myself. And I realized I am way too hard on myself. I expect so much of myself and I think that can be good, but I also think, you know, I'm 45 years old. I've accomplished a lot. I have so many things to be thankful for that it's time to just be patient. And I don't have to always push myself so hard. And it was on lap three when I realized that I couldn't keep up with Tara anymore. I was like, I can't, I can't stay that pace. And it's okay. Like, it's okay. I'm still good. I'm still strong. I can do this. And just truly having patience and slowing down when I need, when I need to slow down. And I'm going to carry that throughout the rest of my life in every aspect. And I hope that you will too. The second thing is you know, I believe 100% in doing 1% at a time. Intervals work. Intervals in all areas of our life work. Intervals, little, small, tiny goals, they work. When you set your mind on a small goal, you can accomplish it. And these little small successes along the way 
give you confidence and proof that you can do anything. One tiny interval, one tiny win at a time. And that's how I made my way up the mountain. I don't care if it was five to 10 steps. Sometimes I could count to 50 steps, but little tiny intervals got me all the way up 13 times that mountain. My third lesson is intention. I decided that I was going to appreciate every single step, every single person, every single moment of that experience. And truly, truly, like I would literally, when I would stop after each little tiny interval, I would turn and look down the mountain and out because it was gorgeous. And I never will forget that view. But I also was giving my calves a break because when you turn and point your feet down, it actually gives your calves and ankles a break. So that was the other part of it. But truly, truly intention with every step, every climb, every conversation, I had true intention and appreciation. And that too is what we need to do every day in our life. Okay. Then another lesson was don't suffer, adapt. So Dr. Trish was a lady who talked to us about a breathing technique and keeping your heart rate under control. And she said, you don't have to suffer, just adapt. And I thought that was awesome. I love that quote. Don't suffer, adapt. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to continue the same path. You can adjust your steps and you can adjust your mind. You can adjust your outcome. And this is true in everything in life. If you don't like the way it's going or you don't feel good, adapt, tweak, change. You have the power and the choice to make changes. And even though she was talking about breathing, I changed it to these other things. Like, yeah, like my ankle hurt. So I changed my step. My mind was going crazy. So I changed what I was thinking about. You have the choice and the power to adapt. And no matter where you are in your life, you have that opportunity and choice. And then finally, breathing. I know that breathing truly works. So, you know, I have always believed in deep breathing. When you feel anxiety, when you feel fear, when you feel tired, when you feel sick, whatever, if you really tap into your breathing, you can feel better physically, emotionally, and mentally. And during this climb, I was a little bit scared before we started how my heart was going to do. And I didn't even tell everybody, but a week before going to the event, I was actually having chest pain and it scared me. So I went to the, the cardiologist and they checked me out and they gave me the clearance to go, but there was still this little tiny piece of me that was scared that what if like, what if it really was my heart that was hurting? Maybe it wasn't a muscle. Maybe it wasn't anxiety. Maybe truly it was my heart. And I was, I was a little bit scared, but I practiced deep breathing the entire time I was on that mountain. And the really cool thing is my average heart rate going up this steep mountain at this high altitude was 110. 110 was the average heart rate the entire time I was on that mountain. And I was talking to people that were like 190, 175, like they were really having a hard time just keeping their breathing under control and their heart rate. And I can honestly say that breathing, really focusing on my breathing, and they taught us this too, but I had already been practicing it because I'll tell you this too, when you teach classes and you have to talk and exercise, you learn how to breathe because you have to be able to breathe and move and talk, right? And be motivating to people. And so I used those techniques on myself the entire time. But breathing not only helps you get up a mountain, but it helps you get through mountains in your life. Anytime you're feeling low, scared, worried, if you just stop and focus on your breathing, it will make you feel better. I promise you that. And then finally, um, my final lesson was, you know, training and conditioning your body is critical, especially if you're going to plan to climb 30 miles straight uphill, right? But the biggest muscle that is the most important to ever train and condition is the one between your ears. Your brain and your mind is the most important muscle that you will ever have to work on. 
Okay. And, you know, the coaches told us to trust our fitness. The fitness was there. They actually say the hay is in the barn, you know, and you just have to believe. And I honestly, I wasn't sure I had done enough. I mean, I worked out a lot, but I always work out a lot. And I had done everything I thought I needed to do, but I really wasn't sure until I was on that mountain. And even though my body was tired, it was my brain that I had to work the hardest on. And I feel really proud that I was able to push through physically and mentally. So those are the lessons I learned. But, you know, and I just got to tell you, so the day after, you know, they warned us of having a hangover. I think I had a bigger mental hangover than a physical. My soreness was really minimal. My calves were tight. And truthfully, that was it. I felt pretty foggy in my brain. And that could have been, you know, lack of sleep. But also just all that mental work that happened just to get me you know, to get my body moving. And, you know, it's silly, but I, I practice this thing where I literally talk to my body. I literally thank my legs. I thanked my feet. I thanked my heart. I thanked my arms. My arms were so tired during the event because I had never used hiking poles the way I had to use them this time. <clears throat> and so my triceps were a little tight, but literally like my brain was the most tired of all. So I want to just do a quick shout out to all of those people that I met. And I'm probably going to miss people. There were so many people that I met that, you know, I didn't ever even really got their name or I don't remember because there was just so many people that I talked to. But big shout out to Tara and Katie, my tent mates. Ooh, ooh. Shout out to Tent 71. Janine and her friend Dina. Eva, Eric, Liz, running on Venti. Yeah, Liz. Mark and Tandy, Jamie. Brad and his wife, Mike Macho, Josh from the Plane, and their whole group, Impact. Anne, so sweet. Wolfman, only came up on the final ascent with Wolfman. I don't remember his actual name. And then Pierce. Pierce was there for the first finisher. He's 20 years old, the sweetest kid ever. He was so sweet. Um, we had a, a nice little camaraderie there. Um, the really loud and peppy guy with the cowbell at aid station two. I really wish I could remember his name. Awesome. Awesome guy. Also, there was a lady at the top of the mountain at that aid station with an accent. She was so sweet. And she came and gave me a big hug when I finished. It's like all these volunteers and people at each aid station were just incredible. They were with us every step of the way. Um, Coach Dawn, what a great woman. So happy to meet her. We had some great conversation and she really pushed me. Coach Emily, great nutrition talks, but also she gave me a hug at the time I needed it the most. Chili. Chili was this funniest guy ever. Like he wore these really short shorts and it was so funny and he had an awesome accent. He was a cool guy. Um, Jonathan from Miami and his aunt, super cool. They finished together. Um, Colleen, the announcer, wonderful lady, full of energy. I don't know how she did that. I think she used as much energy talking and announcing and keeping everyone peppy as we did climbing the mountain. And of course, coach Brent, he is probably one of the most amazing people and best coaches that I think I've ever met. And I'm so honored that I got to spend time with all of these amazing, amazing people. And I also need to thank my people, Brian and Matt. Thank you guys so much for being there. It was so fun to share my experience with both of you. And I'm so happy that you guys could actually see what I did because, again, the pictures don't give it justice. And I don't think people understand that weren't there. This was no joke. Absolutely no joke. And also, I need to shout out to my other brothers, um, Mark and Mike, because they are two serious overachievers. <laughs> and I think that was good. So all of my brothers, major overachievers, all of us Hastings, we all want to do big things and we're, you know, like to do things hard. And also, um, all my other friends that are overachievers, what great, amazing role models you've all been in my life, because now I know that I will never give up and I will always follow through. So you guys, thank you so much for listening to this. I know this is a longer podcast than normal, um, but what a great, great experience. And I actually am going to be doing a couple more podcasts related to this and the lessons I learned with nutrition um, and, and just some other things that I think would be beneficial for you to learn. So if you have questions or you want to learn more about how to sign up for this event, or you need, you know, help maybe training for something similar to this, you know, look me up, give me a, send me an email, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook. I always love to hear from you guys. And I appreciate you being here. 
Talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning into the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And if you are looking for a crew of amazing women who are also seeking a balanced fit and free lifestyle, be sure to join my exclusive community on Facebook. The link is waiting for you in the show notes. Until next time, keep your thoughts positive and your coffee hot.